Hi there. Thank you for tuning in to the Sermons in Progress edition of the Connections Podcast, a digital ministry of New Joy Lutheran Church. I'm Chris Duckworth, pastor at New Joy. This is the podcast for Sunday, April 1st, Easter Sunday, the most important day in the church year calendar, indeed, the reason for our faith, the day when our Lord rose from the grave and revealed himself to his disciples. This coming Sunday, we will read from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, about his resurrection. But before we get to our reading for the day, my initial reflections in advance of my sermon on Sunday, and some prayers, a few announcements for you. On Friday evening, March 30th at 7 p.m., we will have our Good Friday service. Good Friday service, 7 p.m. at New Joy. Our service at New Joy is a bit of a unique service. It is a hybrid of traditional elements from the Maundy Thursday, the Holy Thursday service, and the Good Friday service, blended into one service. So come join us, Good Friday at 7 p.m., at New Joy Lutheran Church at the corner of 156 and Spring Mill. And then please return on Sunday, 9.30 a.m. for our Easter service. All are welcome to hear the good news of our Lord's resurrection from the dead. Just also want to offer a word of thanks. We had a wonderful Easter breakfast and Easter egg hunt last week. It was postponed from Saturday, the originally scheduled date, to Sunday, and we blended it with our Palm Sunday worship service. I called it our Palm Sunday Breakfast Church. We abbreviated the liturgy and flowed directly from Holy Communion to our pancake and bacon breakfast. Many thanks again to all who helped make it possible and to all who attended. Now to our reading. John chapter 20. The story of our Lord's resurrection. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture, that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb, crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, 
one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Arabic, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And then she told them what he said to her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Such a familiar story. The angel rolled the stone away, the old gospel song sings. The tomb is empty and Jesus is risen. But there's so many details in Sunday's reading. Not all of which, of course, I'll get into in this podcast and certainly not in my Sunday sermon. But a few things I want to highlight. For one, Mary Magdalene goes while it is still dark. I like to think of scripture for what it is. It's a story of faith, but it's also a piece of literature, right? And so I think of that darkness, both Certainly, Mary could have gone in the darkness of the day, of the pre-dawn darkness. But I also think, perhaps metaphorically, as a storytelling element, in the darkness of death, the darkness of her grief, the darkness of her confusion and not understanding what is happening, and yes, in the darkness of the pre-dawn morning. She goes to the tomb, and however, there's enough light to perceive, either from the moon or stars or from the pre-dawn light, to perceive that the stone has been rolled away. And so she runs, and as a runner, or an on-again, off-again runner anyway, I love the scripture tells us that she runs. One of the few times in all of scripture we read of a woman running. And she runs to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. John. She runs to Simon Peter and to John and says, they've taken our Lord from the tomb. I mean, holy smokes, right? So they're grieving. They're grieving the death of Jesus, their rabbi and Lord. But more, now she is grieving. She is fearful of that the tomb has been vandalized. I mean, it's bad enough that Jesus was arrested, betrayed, put up in a sham trial, and suffered capital punishment. Now, his grave has been desecrated. About a year or so ago, there was a wave of some anti-Semitic violence that led to 
several cemeteries out east and around the country being vandalized, headstones knocked down or vandalized with swastikas. I know that made those families just feel so awful and vulnerable and hurt. I can just imagine what it felt like for Jesus' disciples to fear that the grave of their Lord had been vandalized. Now the guys come and they check out the tomb and they kind of peer in and then they go in and they verify that it's empty, but they notice the grave clothes there. And scripture says they believed, or at least that John believed, but also said they didn't yet understand the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. They've got a little mixture of belief and, and, and not understanding going on, but then they just leave. And because of that, that the guys come, they check it out. Scripture says they believe, but they leave. We don't see any going forth from the grave announcing the resurrection. They just kind of leave. They go back to their house. And later on, not in today's reading, but later on we'll read that they're hiding in the house and they're afraid. So I'm not entirely sure that Peter and John really get what was happening out there. I mean, sure, they believed that the grave was empty. They believed Mary's word, that her testimony was true. Yeah, the grave's empty. But I don't think they believed that Jesus was risen. They didn't have that transformation. They didn't have that joy. They didn't have that, that, uh, that fervor that people have when they meet the risen Lord. So the guys leave, and they go back home, and verse 19 says that they were hiding behind closed doors because they were afraid. But Mary, Mary Magdalene, she stays at the tomb. She stands outside the tomb, verse 11 says, and she's crying. And she bends down and she looks into the tomb. So she had gone to the tomb. She went back to grab some of the guys. They come and they check it out. They leave, but she stays. She stays in that place of death. She stays in that place of horror where she believes, and by, still by this point, that the tomb was vandalized, that her, the body of her Lord was taken away. She stays. I think so often, you know, we're more like Peter and John. Come enter an uncomfortable or awkward situation and leave. Or come and approach it a bit scientifically or a bit kind of just, just the facts, ma'am. Just look in and go. But Mary stays in that uncomfortable place. Mary stays in that awkward place. Mary stays in that confusing place. And it is there in that discomfort, in that destruction and desecration, in that place of death and isolation and loneliness. It is there that Jesus meets her. It is there that she encounters the Lord. First angels speak to her, and then Jesus himself. Now, she doesn't recognize him at first. Why not? For one, it's still dark. So, easily could have been simply just, let's just go with the most, uh, the simplest explanation, right? It's dark, pre-dawn light. Her eyes are blurry from crying. She simply doesn't recognize him. 
But when she says her name, Mary, when God calls her name, when God calls her, her eyes open, her faith opens up, her heart opens, and she says, Rabbi. She knows who it is who is speaking to her. Paul, in the book of Romans, will write that faith comes from what is heard. She heard her name and had faith that indeed this was her Lord risen from the dead. What's more is that Jesus sends her. Jesus sends her to go be the first preacher of the gospel. Yes, the first preacher of the resurrection, the first one to announce that Jesus is risen was a woman. So don't ever let anybody say, we can't have women preachers. The first one to proclaim the risen Lord was a woman. A woman sent by Jesus to go tell the guys, the guys who came and went, to go tell the guys, I've seen the Lord, and tells them everything that he said to her. A few more things in the reading here. I like how the angels and Jesus both, seeing Mary crying, approach her and ask, Woman, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I think so often when we see somebody suffering or struggling, we want to, our first response we want to be like, You'll be okay. Everything will be okay. I mean, everything may or may not be okay in any given situation. But they teach us, as people who can be caregivers to others, they teach us how to approach someone who's suffering. Why? Simply ask, why are you crying? And then our call is to listen. To listen to someone else's pain. To listen to her grief. To listen to someone else's story as to what caused them to cry and to grieve and to have sorrow. Listening. I've somewhat tried to address the whole issue of Mary not recognizing Jesus. It's dark. Her eyes were blurried. And so I'm largely inclined to simply take it as a, what's the simplest explanation, right? But if we look at this more again in that storytelling way, what are ways that we don't see Jesus today? What are ways that we fail to see him when he's standing right in front of us? Matthew chapter 25 tells us that when we provide water for the thirsty, clothing for the naked, shelter to the homeless, uh, visit the imprisoned, and so forth, we do it to Jesus. And thus in that, Jesus tells us that he is among those who are poor and hungry and naked and thirsty and so forth. And so, I believe our Lord, our risen Lord, appears to us all the time in ways that we do not understand, in ways that we do not see or recognize. I think because so often we want, our heart wants, our, our whole lives want uh, a, a God who is powerful and mighty, a God who fixes things, a God who sends lightning bolts down from the heavens. But instead, we have a God who sent his Son down from the heavens to come and die on a cross, a suffering God, a God who walks with us rather than lords over us. 
God who in many respects is one of us, and yet who is so much more. So I encourage you this season to keep your eyes open, to look for the risen Lord around you. Where there is life and where there is love, our Lord is there. Where two or three gather in his name, our Lord is there. Where there is suffering, be it in the cross or be it among the poor, in violence or in neglect, our Lord is there. Our Lord is not a glamorous God promising power and might as much as our Lord is a God who promises presence in the midst of darkness and suffering and pain and promises in the midst of that to pick up the pieces and to make us whole. So much more we can say about this. Uh, the reading really does continue, and we'll get to the second part of it next week. Verses 19 and following is a Doubting Thomas story. So here we have Jesus approaching Mary as she's staring down death and, and wallowing in grief and sorrow. Uh, then Jesus is going to appear to disciples as they're afraid and appear to Thomas in his doubt. So, so we have fear, we have doubt, we have sorrow, and God enters into all of that. Thanks be to God. To all you who are traveling this weekend, may you have safe travels and may you arrive uh, with God's care and guidance to your destination without incident. If you're worshiping at other congregations this weekend, may you be blessed by the spirit of that congregation, by the charisms of that congregation. I hope you'll tell me about it when you return. Let's pray now for the church and for the world and for all who are in need. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that your Son has come to be among us and to show us a more perfect way of life and of love. We grieve, O Lord, that the world rejected him and that so often we ourselves reject him. Send him to a cross to die, but we give you thanks, O Lord, that death did not keep him down. And renew in us always, O Lord, the faith that because our Lord died and rose again, and because we have been joined with him in baptism, we might be raised to him both we might be raised to him in new life, just as we struggle and suffer with him on that cross. Gracious God, bless the church this week, all those who will attend services and hear that good news of his resurrection, all those who will be leading worship, the pastors who are preaching and presiding, the assisting ministers and the music ministers who are offering song and prayer, all the folks who are providing fellowship meals and hospitality and uh, who are making sure their spaces are, are welcoming and warm to guests and visitors for all the work of the church this season, O oh Lord. We ask your blessings. Empower them, O oh Lord, and give them strength and hope in this season to welcome others into that same strength and hope. For all the sick, O oh Lord, we pray that you would surround them with your care and that in their darkness, you would shine light and life. Bring your healing and your hope and your wholeness to all who are sick and suffering this day. Gracious God, as always, we pray for peace in the world. Pray for the leaders of the nation, especially our nation, for our president and vice president, for secretary of defense, and for all who lead social service agencies, doctors and nurses and caregivers of all kinds for law enforcement and teachers, for all who have leadership 
roles large and small, for all provide care in broad and in small ways. May that care be a sign of your love and of your kingdom breaking in. O Lord, break your kingdom into our lives. Roll the stone of death away. Let your light shine and your life fill this world. Bless us, O Lord, this day and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Sermons in Progress edition of the Connections podcast. I'm Chris Duckworth. It's been a blessing to share this time with you. Hope to see you at New Joy Lutheran Church soon at the corner of 156 in Spring Mill in Westfield, Indiana. Check us out online at newjoy.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash newjoy. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.